1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
2: hi LS Pod fans it's jr here fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Loaf Strangers,
0: a Swindon Town fan podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club.
2: Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside.
0: Beautiful play! That is that!
1: What a good shot! Oh, it's good. It's a, goal. a goal! Well post for Shearer. goal!
2: Ball, ball. Taylor has scored,
1: and that surely means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town now. But first, a go by Jan awesome. Harkin! Austin going
0: in! Yes! New bats, new bet! 2-0
1: Swindon. Danny Ward! I will win this league anyway. Richard. he's hit it, it's Cradwell!
0: This is very, very exciting because, I mean, I think, although we've never met, I think I've known of Dave for about, well, for over 10 years, before you started university.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I was thinking that the other day. It's weird, isn't it? I've never met you face to face. This is the first time I've heard your voice, but... We've shared a lot in the digital realm.
0: <laughs> we have, and there, ladies and gentlemen, is the creepiest opening to any episode <laughs> of The Love Strangers that we've had so far. But I've got you on to talk Swindon Town, and we're going to do a My 11 for, for this one. And it's an interesting one because, you know, it's easy. It's easy just to fire off your 11 favourite players, but we're not going to do it for this one,
1: are we? No, not quite, no.
0: So the first question is what was your first Swindon Town game?
1: My very first Swindon Town game was at home to Stoke City in March, sometime in March 1997. It was a seventh birthday present. We won 1-0. Can't quite remember who scored. Um, I don't really remember too much about the game apart from very loudly asking my dad why the man behind us was wearing a Man United coat when Man United weren't playing. And my dad very embarrassed telling me to be quiet and watch the game
0: <laughs> if you were at the game now you'd be asking the same thing even if it wasn't to somebody you'd be looking yeah. at that person going why why do you need to tell us that you're a Manchester United fan at this game
1: <laughs> yeah I'm here but I don't care I'm here ironically yeah it's I think I was I was just astute at an early age I think mm,
0: but it's a good game it's a good game for your first one because as you said there One, Swindon Town won the game, which is always nice. Peter Thorne scored the winner early, about halfway through into the first half. And Peter Thorne is one of these not forgotten players. Because of his injuries, he could have been so much better for Swindon. But he was very, very good. But the key thing to this game was about two minutes later, Wayne Allison was sent off for elbowing. Um, and then the rest of that game was backs to the wall. So you know, you 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 got a treat, but you didn't appreciate it because you're far too young, unfortunately. But it, it, it's it's an interesting era, squad-wise. Do you know the lineup?
1: I can probably I could probably recognise some names, and I could probably try and throw some names out, um, but I wouldn't know too many of them. No.
0: Okay. Well, you you've got the tail end of Fraser Digby, which you know. Swindon legend, brilliant. Popular players from the era, like Ian Culverhouse in there. You've got Wayne Allison, of course. Peter Thorne has mentioned. Then you've got like Marlon Brooms. Now, Marlon Brooms only played for two months for Swindon on a loan spell from Blackburn. In that time, he got capped by England under 21s, scored a decent goal, if I remember. And it's one of those signings from the time where you think, he was only here for two months. But very good. <laughs> and then you've got absolute randoms as well, like Alex Smith, who was here for two years and played a little bit and Michael Patmore. Have I heard of Michael Patmore? No. Yeah. Nope. Not many nope. people have, but you saw him play for Swindon. So that that's a good <laughs> thing. So, so what are your earliest memories apart from that first game and seeing that grown man um, having to tell us that he's a Manchester United fan? What are your earliest memories?
1: <laughs> so most of my earliest football memories are supporting Leicester City. So like most kids... Um, growing up in Swindon in the early and mid '90s, I chose a Premier League team, and I just chose the wrong one. Um, but it was it was it was the Martin O'Neill era, so when they were good at the time, um, and I'd come to watch Swindon sporadically. Like my dad wasn't super into football, but I think he took me just to get me out of my mum's hair. <laughs> and the overriding thing I get remembering the Swindon year, teams of those years is that every single match seemed to involve a punch-up a 22-man brawl and at the time I just assumed that that's what that's what football was and obviously (laughs) I've grown up and realized that's not the case but looking back I like the season after I think you had like Darren Bullock and obviously you had Steve McMahon being a right raggy bastard on the sidelines.
0: We don't we don't (laughs) hear that we don't hear the phrase raggy bastard enough on this podcast but yeah I mean you've encapsulated perfectly Darren Bullock actually played in in your first game, but it's it's the Steve McMahon era to a T, you know, just Mm. a bunch of absolute bruises that were looking at so many sendings off during that time, I seem to remember. But it was really weird because as a kid back then, you know, especially because we won the title in ninety-five-96, I I signed I kind of look back at that that era quite fondly. But all the adults or anybody who really understood hate that time. mean, when you look at the attendances,
1: especially nearer to the end, they're bloody awful. Yeah, they're not much bigger than what we were getting in League One the last, couple of, uh, last time we were in it, were they?
0: No, not at all. Which really, is mad, really,
1: mad to think about now. I had a season ticket um, for the, it would have been the 97, 98 season, I think. Um, well, it, was the, it might have been the season before then, but it was that year where we were doing really, really well in the first half of the year top in October November time then lost to Stevenage and didn't win again for about five years and after that Stevenage game (laughs) I just gave up I just gave up completely went back to Leicester (laughs) until I was about 14. Yeah I went to that Stevenage
0: game and I didn't really go that much anyway during that time you know I'm not from Swindon so to go would be because my dad um, wanted to go and it was kid a quid or, or discounted rates yeah. or something like that so it was very rare that I went but I did go to that Stevenage one and I, I will never forget the weather or the or the uh, the kick by Fraser Digby that went straight into the feet of the Stevenage player that led to Grazioli's goal um, it yeah. was very very cold that day and it, it was it's an age where weather and and embarrassment can really dictate what a, a kid does with their support of a football club afterwards
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, cuz it was when well, for me it was when I had Swindon losing at home to a non-league team and then I had Leicester at the same time who at the time were winning the league cup and it was a lot more exotic to support Leicester in primary school which probably <laughs> isn't a word you associate with Leicester too often. No. But yeah. <laughs> so I just went back to them.
0: I I don't think you're you're, you know, being that fair on yourself because you do have family links to Leicester, don't you?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't pick them completely out of thin air. No, no. So when you
0: watched Leicester City lift the Premier League against all odds, hashtag fairy tale, (laughs) and all that malarkey, did you just sit at the screen while you know Swindon were doing something mediocre and just think,
1: bugger? I was desperately scrolling through old photographs on social media to find ones of me in Leicestershire as a kid. Going, see, see, I'm not just i a- I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon now. <laughs> All the Walkers are- Crisp stuff. Yeah, they've always been my like, like you know, a lot of people have t- other teams they look out for and stuff. They've always been the second team ever since, really. But for my sins, Swindon, Swindon have been the number one for a good 15 years now.
0: I, I would say, you know. Being a relentless user of social media that I am, I think now it's becoming more common for people to have two teams as opposed to being like just mm. a support of one team. Now, when when you when Swindon aren't playing, especially during this lockdown, where Swindon have been playing, the amount of say Aston Villa fans and Arsenal fans, and of course Liverpool fans and Manchester United fans that also you know have. Mad Swindon fan Sort of thing In their yeah. profiles I, And I've got no Major beef with it To be fair But I think it's now Pretty much the norm Isn't it?
1: Yeah It's it's just the way That clubs like ours Have to kind of Lean into that phenomenon Really don't we? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. away Sky Sports And Sky Sports Is all pervasive It's so easy to watch Your Premier League team Of choice Yeah We've yeah. just got to kind of make the most of it I think.
0: We just got to take their money, Dave. We just got to take their <laughs> money instead of going, no way man. Wear your Manchester yeah. United shirt down the pub, not in the archives. <laughs> <laughs> any any other unique memories of following the town during uh, the last 15 years?
1: Well, a lot of the memories kind of merge into one fog of mediocrity. <laughs> they all kind of blend in, blend into the same. Um one that kind of stands out that was unique i guess to me uh it was it was valentine's day with a new girlfriend as was at the time um we were playing at home against colchester um and rather than spend any time with my new girlfriend i went to watch swindon town v colchester telling her that swindon town were there first which felt Felt justified to my mind,
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. but Swindon lost. Swindon, I think we lost 2 1 or 1 0, and there wasn't a second Valentine's Day yeah, with said girlfriend.
0: Was there another week?
1: <laughs> there, was, there wasn't much more
0: than that, no. <laughs> I mean,. You know, it's it's very Nick Hornby esque, isn't it? This this idea of like you, <laughs> the football was here first, mate. You know, it's uh yeah. Um, what what, what year is this roughly?
1: Um, I want to say it's about two thousand and fourteen. So I was definitely old enough to know better.
0: Yeah, okay. Fourteenth of February, twenty fourteen. Swindon Town nil, Colchester nil. <laughs> oh nil nil. Oh, nil so better nil. Than, better than I remembered. Well, it's a point. Um, Exactly. And you got to see Clinton Morrison play. I mean, you know, you should have have taken her.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure that would have helped.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, so, you know, would you do it again?
1: Well, I don't know if my wife's going to listen to this, so I'll say no.
0: I mean, yes, there's been a lot of mediocrity in the last 15 years. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. But what have been your favourite games, either been to or just that you've enjoyed watching?
1: So I guess... The one game I've enjoyed watching the most, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be novel for people to hear, but the Charlton, the second leg of the Charlton playoff game, Mm -hmm. and I won't go through the details because everybody knows how it went. But for me personally, I was a student in Bath at the time, at university. It was a friend's birthday, and. I was asking them all day, what's your plans for tonight? What's your plans? They were going out. They couldn't guarantee that they'd be in a pub with a football on. So I was like, right, well, Sodja, I I need to watch this game. So I toddled off to a pub. It was called the Metropolitan at the time. I'm not sure. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. On my own, into the back room of this pub, the function room, watching it sat down in this whole massive function room on my own with the game on a giant um projector eventually two other people walk in who i've never met before in my life never met before or since and we go through this whole two two and a half three hours however long it was together every single human emotion possible jumping hugging screaming with each other the whole three hours and then i left at the end and i'd never met him again but I always try and, like, whenever someone says, oh, why, like, what's, what's being a football fan all about? That's always the moment that kind of I spring back to because I'd never met these guys before. I'd never met them since. But for those three hours, we were, like, the best mates in the world, all, 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 all because of Swindon Town. It's like, it's
0: like that scene in Jaws where you're just sharing all your scars, isn't it? When you're in the pub with somebody that supports the same team <laughs> or even have similar experiences, you're like, what, you've only been in administration once? Yeah, man, you know <laughs> things like that, isn't it? It's just, and then, and then you're like full time. You embrace, and then sound goodbye. That's it, the end. Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. Ships in the night, ships in yeah. the night. Do, do you think? <laughs> and I was thinking about this earlier. Do you think it would have been different at Wembley in 2015 had we had we had the five five in the first leg at home, and then went to yeah. went to Bramall Lane and got that last minute winner. And I just think if, if that, uh, of no, course no. the narrative wouldn't have been the same because you know the whole game, the second leg was dictated by by what happened in the first leg. But I was thinking, like, I wonder if we would have been a little bit better defensively if we would have just had that that sort of tighter second leg.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're probably right because if we you concede five in the first leg, then yeah, you're definitely going to be setting up, or at least you you spend the whole prep for that second game focusing on defence, don't you? Mm. And then. Rather than going into the playoffs squeaking in on the odd goal in seven, we go in we go in on the odd goal in seven, but having done it with a ninety third minute winner and you're probably a lot more buoyed yeah. So yeah, I think you're probably you're probably right there. Yeah.
0: The odd the odd goal in seven. <laughs> squeaking in.
1: <laughs>
0: Mad, oh, maddest just, game of football I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I'll maintain that. Although hugely entertaining, it was an absolute car crash. But um, yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah. justified in the final. That that thought, I think. Um, but any any other games stand out from from that time or from your time?
1: Um, it'd be the the other ones that come to mind were the the cup the cup wins earlier on in the decade. So beating Wigan. The Wigan one for me was the first time I'd, I'd ever seen Swindon beat a top-flight team, and obviously it was at home as well. So you've got the atmosphere on the on on the ground and everything. It was just a really great occasion, and I, I still remember going home back to Bath at the time, and um, Swindon Town were on front page of BBC Sport, which wasn't something you saw very frequently. And again, the in a similar vein, the Stoke one. I went up to Stoke when we played them in the League Cup a few years ago, and that was a bit different because it was a empty ground, and they played quite a weakened team, but still beat them. Yeah, last minute in extra time.
0: Yeah, Good times. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think the Stoke game or the the, the sort of performance or the result is kind of forgotten about. Maybe because it's a League Cup mm. game, all the chaos that ensued after, and because of that glorious failure with with Aston Villa and. Probably because it was away from home, but that was that was a hell of a performance at Stoke. And you yeah. know, all all jokes of Stoke on a Tuesday or Wednesday night aside, but <laughs> but it, it it is largely sort of put to the side because there were so many sort of great games.
1: Oh, we I was gonna say we were a real cup team then, weren't we? Yeah. Even if it wasn't Premiership teams, we were knocking like like oh, I just knocked Bristol yeah. City out. They yeah, were yeah. Huddersfield, uh, Burnley in the League Cup, didn't we? Brighton got that, close that. with. Oof. Brighton, yeah. yeah, took Villa close as well, didn't yeah, we?
0: Absolutely,
1: got it at the end. My old story Ad, is um, probably probably the peak of his <laughs> career, and then
0: I always claim that, I, and I and I am as a football fan by my by very nature, I'm always on the back foot when it comes to the good times with Swindon because growing up in the time that I did, you know that something is always around the corner, and I'm yet to be proven <laughs> wrong in yeah. in any round, but. That that time when like when the mainstream media talking about it as well, it you, it was hard not to get sucked in and but you know it was it was such a good time and of course then Wigan didn't lose another FA Cup game for another two years wasn't it because no, they, got I know. To, they won the 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 cup the year they, later E-man and then got City, to the final didn't they, didn't they? yeah so. Yeah. yeah and more more stats that Swindon fans die out on which are completely pointless <laughs> but my god we do it and we do it with pride. Okay, so all good games there. Let's talk about players now yes. because you know this is what this podcast really is about. It's not about performances, it's about individual players and we'll we'll get to the 11 in just a moment, but let's talk about some some heroes and villains. I I do like talking about the sort of players from Swindon history, be it Swindon players or players that used to just annoy the hell out of us. So, honorary <laughs> mentions for you, heroes that aren't in the eleven because they can't be in the eleven, but you need to mention them.
1: Yeah. So the one, well, so I always like. It sound, I don't want to sound like a hipster, but the players who are obviously really good, like the Charlie Austins, etc. I'm a big fan of the ones who don't quite get the acclaim. I'm even more of a fan of. And I know that makes me sound like a right pretentious. um, What's it? But So, and I don't know if this might might go counter to what literally the words I've just said, but Simon Cox is the best Swindon player I've seen in the last 15 years and never quite gets the acclaim that I think he should do. Some of the the goals that he scored and the things that he did, he single-handedly kept us up that season. What was it, whatever it was, eight, nine? with his goals mm-hmm. and kind of just gets glossed over a bit now. Yep, Which has always baffled me. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a hill I'm willing to die on.
0: Um, a hundred percent at the time he's an absolute hero. And then because, and I, I will say it's because of Billy Painter, Charlie Austin, and then the Decanio era Cox just, Fades yeah. in, and he did play in the Premier League, he had that, he scored that one great goal against Tottenham, I remember, but he did make it to the promised yeah. land, and yeah, he spent played a lot...
1: In, um, played in Euro 2012 as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly,
0: so he, he, he went, he's one of those players where we always say, he's going to go far, and okay, it was with West Brom, but it doesn't matter, right? It's just, it, he still nice, he still yeah. made it, he still made it, It was very good, and he was... Still- he become a legend with South End and I I I think fitness just got the best of him in you know mm. injuries when i say fitness because he, there was quite a dramatic change of sort of clubs that he played for and he stuck around at South End for perhaps too long and now he's lapping, having a great time in in Australia isn't he but but he was yeah like you said he he grabbed that that season by the scruff of the neck and just scored hat-tricks for fun and you know was it 29 Goals in the league, and we, we yeah just, and, we, like that. and we just stayed up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Normally, twenty nine goals is promotion playoffs minimum, but no, we, we
1: Wilson yeah, just, just keeps about. us up. <laughs> yeah, classic, classic town. Okay,
0: well, I I, I wouldn't say it's hipster, but I, I I would say it's it's a conversation that that definitely is worth fighting because Simon Cox is criminally overlooked nowadays who who are the hipsters favorites for you then other than other than Coxsey? well
1: if we're talking about criminally overlooked strikers i'm gonna throw andy williams into the mix here mm-hmm. because we had two between austin and doyle i think it was we had two 220 goal strikers in a 10-year period a jose and williams a jose a, i get the sense that jose is a lot more acclaimed than williams was and Williams just kind of always looked a bit sad whenever he was on the pitch, It <laughs> made me like root root for him extra hard. And he, he he had a good record for us, but again, he he not not to the same degree as Cox. i not, not, I won't go that far. But I thought he, I thought he was a good player for us, and he kind of gets overlooked a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I agree as well. I mean, when you consider that he, he came in on big money, I mean it's the Canio era, so it must have been big money. We couldn't afford him after that, so he's bombed out on loan. To the championship, yeah. and then comes back and scores twenty goals, <laughs> and yet still doesn't yeah. start in the final at, at Wembley. Um, it's, it was just very odd. I, I imagine there's more to it than than just you know not being fancy. But he did put in a lot. I mean, goals per <laughs> minutes is probably very very good because he was sub a lot as well, and he still mm. still scored like over thirty goals in his town career. So it is, no. it is an odd one and again, a player that, like Michael Smith in a way, Michael Smith just never won over Swindon yeah. fans but what we wouldn't give for for players like that <laughs> now, and and people go, no, I don't want Williams or, or Michael Smith, but I know, I don't know both still score goals I mean, Andy Williams is at the tail end, but Michael Smith's in the Championship next year so
1: you, you've got to be doing something yeah. right, right? Yeah, exactly you have got to talk about your number one though <laughs> So this, this one's a bit just a bit personal to me a left back signed by Dennis Wise I think it would have been um Jamie Vincent. Yes. Um I do not profess and I do not believe he was good in any way, but he was very no-nonsense. He was very he was very solid and um I just found it funny to call him because he was the least cultured left back that I think I've ever seen. And I just found it funny to refer to him as Jamie Vincente, <laughs> and I even got a T-shirt made up with that on it. But he was—he was, a, he was a solid, solid player for a few years. Yeah, you gotta own it. You'll...
0: Own it. You know, mean, yeah. when you consider we had the likes and I always got to be careful when I, when I talk about ex-players because, you know, I, there isn't many ex-players that I wouldn't want on this podcast. But when, when you started watching Swindon, it was Jason Drysdale and Gary Elkins, you know, when you could, <laughs> when you can compare them to, to, you know, a seasoned pro like Jamie Vincent one, was when he arrived, there's no comparison. Yeah. Great player. He, he
1: did his job quite well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was he was solid, and he, he even made it across the into centre back in his later years, just further proving his versatility as a, as
0: a as a footballer. You absolutely have to prove your <laughs> versatility, I find. But yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, <laughs> over eighty appearances, never relegated.
1: Happy days. Exactly. I bet there's not many that can claim that player for Swindon in the last 20 years, is there? There
0: really isn't. If you don't stick around, if you stick around for that long, there really isn't. You ever get a promotion or a relegation? Okay, then. So villains, the people that you love to hate. Yeah. You know, maybe with good reason, maybe without. It's just irrational. Who have you got?
1: Tim Sherwood hope, sprung to mind. <laughs> I mean, first never, of all, what are you talking about? You never, you never even worked for Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because of that he swans in on his big horse thinking that he's going to save us and then very quickly realizes that he's out of his depth, and swans out just as quietly and washes his hand of the whole affair like the coward that he was
0: yeah uh, I don't know I I always think about I always think about it in in the terms of what I would do in my line of work and, oh, I
1: do exactly the same. I've done exactly the same as he did. And yeah, <laughs> it mean that I, I am a hypocrite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but when he steps onto the into, onto the touchline during the Eastleigh games, if I'm Lou Williams, I'm like, you know what? Nah, it's not for me. This, I'm walking. You know, no.
1: yeah, I'm a bit emasculating, wasn't it, yeah, Williams?
0: Hugely hugely and 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 then to be on like soccer saturday no, it wasn't soccer saturday it was like the sunday goal show or whatever it was and saying nah it was mm. nothing to do with me that you know it was a press conference no. for nothing
1: <laughs> i know it's oh, i it left a bad taste that did
0: yeah well not the taste of red bull as we all thought it might have been for 20 glorious minutes <laughs> before that press conference <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, that was the the lowest lowest budget prank ever, wasn't it? Oh
0: yeah, two <laughs> cans. If, if Red Bull come to town, it'll be like <laughs> the Duffman Man turning up. <laughs> two cans of uh, Red Bull with a with a discount price on, probably from the supermarket next door or something. But yeah. no, okay. Well, Tim Sherwood is is a is a probably a worthy entry
1: into the villain, column. <laughs> but what about players? Who you got? Players? I had a little think. And I think this one might be a, more of a future villain. But do you remember Canis Carroll from a few years ago? Of course. The guy we had on loan. Yeah, Oxford. Yeah, I never really rated him at the time. I thought he was a bit of a hatchet man, just ran around into people. A bit, a bit. I guess a bit like uh, Darren Bullock, 20, <laughs> 20 years on. Um, and I got a lot of pleasure when he got sent off playing against us for Carlisle last year. Because you could see it as soon as he came onto the pitch that he was far too wound up and wanted to make a point. Um, But I get the sense that Swindon Town and Canis Carroll's pass are probably going to cross quite a lot over his career. And he will probably score against us at the county ground. And he will definitely celebrate in front of the town end if he does. So I'm just getting my I'm just getting my villain judgment in here early because he is the epitome of a of a lower league shit house, i think
0: <laughs> i'm pretty sure when he scored he, he went to celebrate to the stratton bank and realized that there was no one in there i have vague memories of that like <laughs> because he is an oxford you know born and bred and played for them but of course he was on loan from brentford interesting career really canis carroll because he got that move to brentford so they they crunched the numbers did the algorithms and and, and took him to uh brentford and now he's he's unemployed and it's just amazing how football is it yeah he went to stevenage and then he's got released by them so he must have had a a clause or it was a short term deal and you just think in one year or whatever you've gone from one of the most progressive teams in england with one of the best reputations Mm. and now you've been relegated with stevenage out of the football league and now find yourself scrapping for a job like, like with hundreds of other players, I'm sure he'll get a contract because you know he, he he definitely can do a job. It's not the job that Richie Wellens wanted or or fans of you know good football. But yeah. but he'll he'll get a gig. No no problem at all. But it's just yeah, it's just I was surprised a sign. By that. Yeah, I think it must have been like um, short term or or he had a clause in his contract that he didn't want to go into into the national league. But. You know, I'm still. Well, I'm not convinced Stevenage will go into non-league next year. I still think Macclesfield will, but we'll see on that front. I think that's fair enough. You've, you've played it safe with with a lone player. That's that's all right. Um, one one final point before we get to the May eleven is is rivalries. I'm always interested. There, it does vary depending on which part of Wiltshire you've been based. So we've got plenty of rivals. Who's the main one for you?
1: Oh, it has to be Oxford, I think. Mm-hmm. They're the number one I I um I was, I was watching the playoff final the other night and when Wickham scored their penalty I made a noise so loud that my wife had to come down and check that I was all right, <laughs> which caught me quite by surprise I wasn't expecting to get that into it but um yeah I got a lot of joy when they lost
0: <laughs> yeah I, I was convinced they were going to win that convinced they they and me I mean they've, they've had a great year and you know Nobody wants to hear that, but the fact of the matter is they were very, very good yeah. in League One this year. And I think, had the 46 games played out, I think they probably would have gone up. That makes it funnier, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. And reading, reading what some of their fans are saying, they expect to lose most of their good players now over the summer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just gets sweeter and sweeter, doesn't it? It,
0: it does. And I'm, and I'm always a little bit of a coward when it comes to rivalries because I don't like dishing it out, because I don't like getting it back. But, you know, whenever, whenever <laughs> I sort of reserve that and just have a light chuckle to myself, I do remember reading all the comments when the bubble happened to Charlie Austin, when when we had our bring buy yeah. sale at the end of the 2015 um, final where people didn't wait a couple of days to leave. I think Gladwin and Luongo were sold 48 hours or whatever after Wembley. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I remember yeah. those sort of comments. And when you hear that's happening to them, you're kind of like, yeah... Uh, have Some of that, you know, but but there'll be I'm, yeah. I'm not looking forward to the return of the derby. I do want to see Swindon win. It's been a long time. You know, I think oh, I, was, I, know. I was 17 the last time we beat uh, Oxford in the league <laughs> or in any form because the penalty shootout doesn't count. It's a draw. Um, but <laughs> it, it's a long time and some and so many people, a whole generation of fans have not seen a league win against Oxford and in fairness it's only about four no, games it's only about four games no. so we need to see it and it, it, no in our luck it will happen behind closed doors but it will count
1: Um who <laughs> exactly. else who else are you hating David Flitcroft inflicted <laughs> probably the worst football that I've ever seen and I include the depths of Andy King's reign in that and then didn't even have the guts to stick around and see it through to the end Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. I felt I feel a little bit worse than glo- uh, gloating in Oxford's misfortune because it's it's a it's a person at the end of it, but I still got a bit a bit of joy.
0: Yeah, when, when
1: when he failed at Mansfield. Yeah, when
0: that penalty shootout ended and it and it just cut straight to him walking away. He knew he was done, and yeah, he he yeah, he, his heart was never. I don't think he. I think he had the option of moving to America, and he took the Swinder job instead, and he probably regretted that and you know Ah, I think we certainly did as well I remember him on the radio saying you know I was just about to move the family over to America but then this call came in and then he said all (laughs) of his all the things that you want him to hear and then it just wasn't very I still think we probably would have made the playoffs with Flickcroft and that's what makes it even worse um but you know it
1: happens yeah rivals wise any more the local ones Swindon Supermarine, it's always good to put them in their place lovely. every August, isn't it? <laughs> lovely, lovely. I
0: can't get enough of this. Um, I, I, there are, you know, no, you're not the first one that I've, I've, I've had a conversation with beyond this podcast or just in the real world where people proclaim their absolute hatred for Swindon Supermarine. And I love it because, you know, I've got no beef with Swindon Supermarine, but there just seems to be no. this thing. people just don't like about him is it is it their political affiliation i think some have said that but it's it's funny it just makes me laugh because they're so sort of inferior and you know no i just yeah i just find it funny (laughs) commanding position here andy williams has taken over penalty duties after michael smith's failure against fleetwood and a chance to add to his
1: tally Stays cool and Swindon on course for the
2: Summit of League One.
0: You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. So, lovely chat, brilliant. Let's talk about your eleven. So the title of your eleven is One Season Wonders. But, quite interestingly to me, when I think of One Season Wonders, I just think of you know, that one season somebody had, they came, they saw, they conquered, they buggered off. And your 11 has elements of that, but it's not the rule, is it? So there are the main rules, and I'll I'll list them out as you've provided them to me. So the main rules are the good season has to be confined to one league season. So people like Charlie Austin don't apply because it's his, his career spanned over two. So it's not a one hit wonder. So these players can have more than one season at Swindon, so they're not limited to just being there for one year. You've limited to three players max from one season. Um, loanies must have been season-long loans. Uh, loans to permanent players' quality will include their loan spells as part of the judgment, i.e. no Gordon Greer. Exactly, Yep. I like it because this is going to be... This is the sort of thing that people are going to debate because there are going to be players on here that are going, no, they had more than one good season. Be nice. But this is your opinion. It's your 11 and you're sticking by it. But before we get to the subs bench, honourable mentions, who have you got?
1: So the the three-player limit rule I put in so that we couldn't just list completely the o nine ten 9 10 team. Mm-hmm. So likes of Danny Ward, Alan Sheehan, and Le Jean-Francois, I've got here is They don't make it. Um Petter Brezavan I, I was speaking to some friends and they, they kind of suggested Brezavan as a one-season wonder for that first season he played but he only played 12 games before yeah. he broke his arm and he yeah. was never really the same player when he came back so no. I didn't I didn't have him in qualifying for this
0: No, I, I would say that's fair I mean, he looked like you know, when, when he signed, he looked like, what are you doing in, in Division 4 of English football? You look like, you're going to make yeah. this a lot of money because some Premier League team's going to come in in January and take you. And I think there were even links early on that we were going to sell him pretty quickly. And then he bust his arm or yeah. well, shoulder or whatever it was. And that was that. So, that, yeah, I agree with that. Good shout.
1: Do you remember a player from the same season as Brezvan, um A central midfielder called Paul Evans. Of course. For some reason, he popped into my mind. And that's what set up like, this whole... Um, one season wonder idea because I remember he joined and I think he played a friendly against Reading or it might have been Portsmouth and he looked like just this fat man running around (laughs) the pitch like the we had a mascot didn't we at one point who was just a fully grown man who paid to be it for a year looked like looked exactly like him but then the season came on and he looked like a really calm presence in the central midfield and yeah, I remember he scored that free kick. Then he, like you said, like out from about forty yards. Yep. And then, then just disappeared. Yep. I, I looked. I looked it up again recently and um, realised he had quite bad, quite a bad run of injuries, which is why he disappeared. But I didn't realise. Um, but yeah, he was. He kind of epitomised as being like that one player just pops into your head for being really good for a spell but
0: only for a brief spell. Yeah, he was a key member of that early part of the 2006-07 season. Um, he scored that great goal at Wrexham, but it's another another one of those great goals that Swindon has scored over the years in games that we've lost, and therefore I don't count yeah. it and don't <laughs> consider it, because what does it matter? Matty Taylors from a couple of years ago is a case in point. You know, yeah. you score a great goal you want, we still lost the game, mate. So, um, yeah, and then, and then I think... The fact that Wise left, Sturrock came in, injuries that, that seemed to be one of several players that came, saw and then left. People like Monkhouse, Folaron Abugier, um, you know, oh. players that were very much on the scene and then disappeared. So, yeah, that's that's a fair shout, but not a full season. So I can see why he didn't make it. So let's, let's start the main squad with, with the bench. So yep. your first player played in the two thousand and seven eight season. He's going to be on this podcast very soon. It's all recorded,
1: so I hope you're nice to him. It's Craig Easton. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got nothing bad. I've got nothing bad to say about Craig Easton. Um, obviously, he came in as a hero for relegating Oxford. Couldn't couldn't really do much wrong after that. And I just remember him. Again, this is twelve thirteen years ago now, so might be misremembering, but I remember he signed. And he was a very effective box to box midfielder, and one of he just kept the team ticking over when we were establishing ourselves quite well in league one mm-hmm. and then he just disappeared over the second two seasons. I think Malpass tried playing him in some weird inverted winger position, <laughs> and he never really recovered from that like you watch the you watch the highlights of the charlton home playoff leg and um after one of the goals they're all celebrating in the corner and Craig Easton's there and looking back I was like I, I, I thought he was long gone by then yeah. but no he was, he was still around three years later
0: Yeah he's very much bouncing around with them at the Valley with the bib on with Michael Timlin, yeah. if, if I remember rightly um, I think it's a good shout I mean he was my player of the season in 2007 Eight uh, Miguel um, Comange um, won the award <laughs> but, uh, but I would have given it and um, I did vote for Craig Easton I thought he was very good in deed um but yeah. it, it wasn't to be and yeah change of managers injuries and being played in outrageous positions um you know and when when you've got people like john douglas who come in and simon ferry at the tail end you know he was offered a new deal as well he was barely playing but offered a new deal oh, so, right. so a remarkable uh, season but a one season wonder who's your, who's <laughs> your reserve goalkeeper
1: Reserve goalkeeper, I have gone for Lawrence Vigarou, which might be controversial <laughs> in the eyes of others. This, this exercise is really one of hindsight. And with the benefit of hindsight, when Lawrence Vigaro signed that first season, when he was on loan to replace Fodringham, he genuinely looked like he might even be better than Wes was. In my eyes, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look back at it now he just gradually got worse like more sloppy with his mistakes I, he kind of less focused like it was liability anytime he played against oxford and i don't like I, I i don't know what whether it was stuff off the pitch or what but he kind of just fell away and it was kind of he signed with, with such great fanfare and then when he was let go it was just a oh yeah uh Vigoroo's gone Oh yeah, I don't really
0: know. <laughs> yeah, Richie Wellens doesn't give a uh, a open bus parade to players that he's let go, does he? Um, no, <laughs> no. I mean, he was brilliant when he came onto the pod, and he, you know, he just wanted to set the record straight and and things like that, which is which is very nice. And he is generally sound, and you know, there's elements to him. I think, you know, Will Henry might have even sort of hinted at the fact that he wasn't the easiest person uh, to get on with. Yeah. And that's the difference between him and Wes, I think, after all said and done. Um, yeah. So so he's got in for 2015-2016, which is funny because he won yes. Player of the Year the next year, didn't he? Yeah. So- <laughs>
1: That was a relegation season though. Always wasn't it? goes
0: to the goalkeeper, doesn't it? Except for yeah. usually does anyway. <laughs> I think Talia got it one year when, when it's relegation and usually when we struggle the goalkeepers get it. Re Sevens got it in a in O five, yeah. but uh, Richie got it when we got relegated from um, just before the De Canio years. But yeah, um could could have been and I think when you look at his career, you know Lawrence Vigaru knows that he he could have been playing at a much higher level had he just yeah. not reacted to all sorts of stuff like paying in coins and uh, and getting sent off in those in those yeah. sort of big matches. Okay, your next player on the bench, um you're putting him in for his efforts in the 2014-15 season. He's a local guy, another former player of the year award winner. It's Jordan Turnbull.
1: Yeah, and well, there's a couple in this team who are like this, but he joined. We didn't didn't know anything about him. Looked really, really good that first season. One player of the year, like you said. And then came back second year. And I'm guessing, well, I'm guessing being a young player, it must be even harder when everything else around you starts falling to shit. (laughs) So I I kind of understand a bit why he, he looked so much poorer in his return spell than his first spell. And... Um, ever since then, he's kind of just been cursed to be linked with a move back to Swindon every transfer window, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, it always good for the impression. some for some reason. I think it's because he's local. I think he's a, he's a West Wiltshire um, lad. So I think I think at one stage, probably around the time, I don't know if it was the Coventry one or the Northampton one, where I heard that he was very keen on it, and I think Swindon weren't a million miles away. From from something as well. But I mean he's been linked to Bolton at the time of recording, so he's gonna be a part of that revolution right. maybe. Um but that's still League Two, you know. <laughs> never never a yeah. never a Swindon player. Ninety eight appearances for Swindon. Lone <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: is mad, isn't it? That's is crazy, that is that it's is just lower league lower league football now, isn't
0: it? I, I do I do think that we are as a fan base perhaps a little unkind to Jordan Turnbull in terms of legacy, but that second season for pretty much everyone was very very bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was more of a system of his, a product of the environment. Second year, so it might be a bit harsh to put in here, but he's in now.
0: Tough. In he goes, <laughs> and he's not even good enough for a place in the starting eleven. Neither is the next one, who had a very very good opening season. He came into the twenty eleven twelve season a bit late. He came in, um, scored. Almost as many goals as Alan Connell, who had been there for the whole season. It's Paul Benson.
1: Yeah, he um he came he came in, didn't he? Did a job. I think he got about a goal every other game for the second half of the season. Did enough to see us over the line, and then was just too old to reperform, do the same in League One the next year. He was one who kind of you recognised the name when he when he joined. And he had a bit of a name for it as a as a non-league striker, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And he, he made the step he made the step up really well. Yeah, just I guess League One came a bit too late in his career.
0: Yeah, I think you probably. Well, right I, that. I mean, he came in from Chelton so you know he. he oh he, right. he'd, he'd, he'd given <laughs> well, he'd given League One a crack, but I think League Two was probably you know the level for him and. Mm-hmm he he did he did very well indeed i think the second season was purely down to the fact that he fell out with decanio um again you you've got to sort of put the pieces together but i think he stood up for caddis um, when Paul Capus ah, had his right. fallout, and then if you stand up for somebody against Acacio, that's the end of that's the end of your Swindon career, as it was. But we as fans didn't give a damn back then because we were doing well, and that's you know football fandom. At it's uh, it's purest, isn't it? So out he went, and we yeah. had we had several players that that filled the void quite comfortably. Um, yeah, Paul Benson, he, I put him in sort of the the Vardy sort of mould where he doesn't look like a footballer. He looks like somebody like, that, you know, yeah. you work with. And he's like, oh, he's quite handy at football. Yeah. Know? He scores like 80 goals a season in Sunday <laughs> League. And there he is sort of um, doing the business in League Two, which was great to see. OK, we'll move on to the next one. There's the next centre forward, and in many ways, Benson's replacement um, in the 2012-13 season. I, I, you know, you never you never appreciate them until they're gone. Um I look at the, this guy's career and think, of course, Swindon fans didn't
1: take to him. It's James Collins. It's bizarre, isn't it? <sighs> he was he same as Benson. He had a he had, he had about a goal every other game. Admittedly, most of them came in that one game against Portsmouth when he came off the bench. Yeah. But yeah, he did, the fans just never took to him, did they? No. He 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 was, <sighs> if fans like he's he's the kind of centre forward you want. He's a real nasty player. Like, <laughs> horrible, niggly little battering ram up front. The exact type of striker you want on your team. But it just never really, never worked for him here. Yeah? No. No,
0: even though he scored 15 goals and missed only one game, although plenty of those were on the bench. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, he He had a great season, despite not ever really getting in there. And, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm almost certain that DiCanio signed him just to wind up Shrewsbury. Yeah,
1: a lot of DiCanio's signings were for banter, weren't they? Yeah. Like we'd have if we'd have, if we'd have signed Constable, he'd never have played. Yeah. He was just doing that to wind up Oxford. Yeah. That's, that was his that was his his way he worked,
0: wasn't it? I think Lee Holmes came back just to uh, just because yeah. he, he could. That was another sign in that I think Decanio made in order to just uh, wind up somebody else. And then he gave them Medi Karouche and Lee Cox just to make them feel good about themselves. What a trooper. Yeah, James Collins, great career. It, it, for whatever reason, it didn't work out element of mercenary but he had to go back to Shrewsbury via Hibs to rebuild his career and then what he's found is he's found his club in Luton where he's now played in the yeah. championship and represented the Republic of Ireland so you know i think he got he got a, a happy ending in his career for that one let's move on to the penultimate Uh, penultimate member of your bench another one from the 2012-13 season Um, an absolutely great signing as far as I was concerned hugely experienced player it's Gary Roberts
1: (laughs) yeah if we signed a player this is the way I've always tried to argue with my friends if we signed a player that summer and his name was Tom Smith we signed him from Hamilton Academicals and he was 24 years old and we didn't pay any money for him and he performed for us like Gary Roberts did we'd have gone, yeah, that was a good signing but because it was Gary Roberts who's this big name for our level had lots of success he kind of, I don't know he didn't live up to it, did he, in the eyes of the fans I thought he was good for us that season and he scored from his own half which, like, that must count for something at least but yeah, he, uh, again, he's another one who was kind of Onto, onto a loser, really, with the fans from the start and never really reclawed it.
0: These are players that we're talking about at the moment that if it wasn't for an owner or a, uh, the financer of of the club saying no more, we would have made the championship. So with James mm-hmm. Collins, with with Gary Roberts... These are players that never we never warmed to as a collective, but we would have made the championship with these players. And, yeah. and I think there's that element of, I think we look at some of these players from that year and there's, there's that, that feeling of, oh, we were so close and I can't like you because we were so close to greatness. And it's like, it's like when you try and stay friends with somebody that you broke up with, you know, it's never it's never going it's, it's to work. It's never going to
1: work. No, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. We kind of, we took all that frustration out, didn't we, on Gary Roberts and James Collins. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people just didn't rate
0: him, of course. <laughs> it was that. And and then he left, and he left for Chesterfield as well, who were the division below, and that just felt icky. You know, which, you know, and he did very well for yeah. them. Too, and he's in the championship now with Wigan, you know. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. yeah. There there was this mercenary um, feeling to Gary Roberts at, at the tail end of his career where he has gone for the paycheck, which is perfectly understandable. And I do the same. Your final member of the bench, I bloody love it. We're going back to the nineties, which <laughs> which is always gonna gonna excite yeah. me. Um, what a player he was. For a very limited amount of time, which is why he's in your in your, your setup. It's for for one glorious autumn going into winter. He was one of the best players in the football league. It's Chris Hay.
1: Yeah. So when I said earlier that all I remembered from watching Swindon as a seven-year-old was fights every week, the only other thing I remembered was Chris Hay scoring every week. So he was the. He was the best player in in the world as far as, I, as far as i was concerned, and then when i when I revisited it when I was a bit older, he just disappeared, didn't he and then if you look him up now, like you look at what chris hay like this, speaking as a man who looks like me, it's probably very unfair to say this, but you look at him now, and he there is no championship or any real kind of footballer in twenty twenty who looks like chris Hay he was a big <laughs> tall gangly gaunt man and he just he was on fire for half a season
0: let's not mess around here he looked like a junkie from train spotting (laughs) um he just and he sounded like one too but obviously you know instead of of Edinburgh but he didn't look well and in that first season I mean he he had like a renaissance in his final year as well where he got into double figures but the, the gloss was gone from that that wonderful 1997 that we had from him um which was yeah. which was absolutely amazing i mean he scored i think a hat trick against Port Vale and then it just along with Swindon's form that season just dives and then his second year wasn't <laughs> that great and then he he had a nice little Sort of like, what you know when the pressure is off, you know your contract's running out, so you've got to, you've got to look yeah. for new options. I think he got out before the season was out. We did not make a profit on Chris Hay, which is why he's in this squad. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and that we broke.
1: Was, he had a time, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Chris Hay.
0: We need to talk about Chris Hay. I need to find Chris Hay. He'll be good to talk to. <laughs> um, Don't.
1: Just don't tell him how I described him.
0: Well, I'm not going to tell him he looked like a junkie from Trainspotting. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and I stand by it. I stand by it. It's Gladwell! <laughs> oh, it's fluid. OK, let's get to the 11 then. So the real one-season wonders in your time, following swindon town so we're going to start with the goalkeeper and i don't think there can be many arguments for this one he was absolutely superb in the 2009-2010 season
1: it's david lucas yeah he he came in didn't he he had a good pedigree at a championship level good experienced goalkeeper at a time where like three or four years before we'd had smith and brezavan who both good shot stoppers, but you get the sense neither of them debut to a goose. And then David Lucas comes in and is shouting at his backline every five minutes. Just gave that first time every ride ever really seen it as a, as a playing for Swindon Town like that kind of goalkeeper. And he was a, a good a good goalkeeper like stopping uh, stopping shots to go with it as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that that first he, he was he was the goalkeeper. We, I like Phil Smith and Bresovan was great, but there was two or three seasons where the managers couldn't decide on which one to play, and I think it was a detriment to yeah. both of them, if, if I'm completely yeah. honest, yeah. and I don't think it did either of them any favours, and when David Lucas came in, of course he had loads of experience with Preston and Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday, and those were the sort of sign-ins that we needed, and he came in and he commanded the defence, and... Yeah, and then the second season, what happened?
1: Did he get injured? Or did he just... Well, he was he was part of the Leeds clique, wasn't he? <laughs> Which, you hear all the stuff that comes out now, and that kind of seems to be the root of all evil from that year. So I don't know if that was part of it. But, yeah, he, for everything good he did in oh nine ten, 9 10 he was as bad in 10-11, wasn't he? Yeah, Oh well, well he's in,
0: he's number one. Welcome, David Lucas. Uh, he's got a teammate coming in at centre back um, for the two thousand nine ten season. A part of that Celtic collective. If we had the uh, the Leads click, then we had the Celtic collective. It's Scott Cuthbert.
1: Yeah, he um, he looked set for the top when he signed, didn't he? Yeah. He looked so next to Gordon Greer, he looked so strong and composed, and a real good, real good centre back, and we could really build off of him from the back in that year and then what what actually transpired is that he needed an experienced man to hold his hand through games next to him and when he didn't have that the season after when he became the he became the kind of experienced the next season didn't he playing alongside morrison and he kind of got kind of got shown up a bit i think
0: yeah it, it, it wasn't a great um second season but again as discussed it wasn't for many players um in the 2010-11 but he was like you know he was highly thought of by Celtic I think Swindon worked hard to get him down to to Wiltshire and it was all justified in that first season and then the second one it was just a bit, well, it was grim, wasn't it? And again, he's not the only person that you can point that finger to. But every now and again, you sort of see... I only really take notice of Scott Cuthbert, sadly, for him when when he's in relegation teams. Because I remember him coming down mm. with Leighton Orient um, when they got relegated from League One. And of course, this season, he's just been relegated with Stevenage. But he did have, he did have yeah. a, a bit of success with Luton, I think. But yeah, he, he became just... A reasonably reliable lower league footballer, but again, I think I agree when you say he he should have probably done
2: better.
1: Yeah, it looks it looked for a time like he was set for top of league one championship, didn't it? And then, mm-hmm. like you say, he's kind of bottomed out in league 2. Yeah,
0: and he was a part of that Leighton Orient side that that almost got to the championship as well. So you know, he 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 got so close with both Swindon and Leighton Orient, and it didn't quite happen never mind welcome to this 11 the next one is for his efforts in the 2012 13 season a veteran again one of those signings that you make and and you think to yourself when he signed you thought wow
1: he's still playing it's Darren Ward Darren Ward just made me feel safe (laughs) like if I went into the ground and I knew Darren Ward was in the vicinity I knew nothing bad was going to happen he just had an aura about him where it was like, right, I'm here, I'm in control. In it, well, in his first season, he did. Um, he just looked. He De Canio signed him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And he just brought just like a bit of composure and nous that we probably needed in the back line um, to compete at the top of top of League One.
2: Because
1: I can't remember who would have been sent about before. It would definitely have been McCormack, wouldn't it? And then yeah. a mishmash of of either Flint or De Vera who like none of which really proven at that time at at a, at a top league one level and ward obviously had that pedigree and had that background and when he came in his first season he he really did the job yeah just his second season like like a few of the players in this in this team his his legs just went sadly and he kind of drifted out drifted down the leagues thereafter but that 12 or 13 season he was he was class
0: yeah he wasn't disgraceful in his his second season but there, there was a drop off and you know i think i mean that second season we underachieved as a, as a team but again mm. got so so close and he was one of the reasons in 20 the uh, 2012 2013 why we got as close as we did and if we would have got to the final yeah. of those playoffs i think we would have been just fine this is a hell of a team so far your next player um it's playing in the <laughs> premier league now you know he's he's another center back 2014 15 another player who played a ridiculous amount of times despite never being a permanent player for swindon it's jack stevens jack stevens
1: yeah so i'm not in, i'm not including his spell from the season before cuz that was a was that was fine. just a little bit it end of fine. End yeah. year fine when it but 14 15 like that spell those couple of years the crop of low knees we got from spurs and the and southampton mainly i guess but the likes of like pritchard and mason and that stevens was tied with luongo for the cream of them for me he just looked so composed on the ball so like mature for his years he was he just looked a cut above especially for how old would he have been when he played for us like nineteen, twenty? yeah he was about 20 looked, 21 by the time of that that second season yeah for the way that team wanted to play, he was absolutely perfect to be strolling out from the back with it. And and unlike most of the players on this list, he's only in this team because he didn't have any bad spells with us, which is a nice, <laughs> nice memory. <laughs> yeah,
0: Jack Stevens in a Swindon shirt haunts me. From the Preston game because, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, when he was walking off, and during the the sort of the the, the applause at the end, there was this one guy who was absolutely livid with with Sweden, as we all were in our own way. Yeah, but he was absolutely. You you know when you look at someone and and you you look at them and go this is maybe the first game you've been to all season, isn't it? Because <laughs> you're, you're too angry. Yeah. You are too angry. I mean, we were all seething like Bob Hoskins <laughs> at the end of the long, good Friday, where he's just sat there gritted teeth. Ooh. And, and he is not to just sat there gritted teeth. He is absolutely going crazy. And I just remember seeing Jack Stevens look at him going, yeah, cheers, mate. And that's pretty much what he was saying. That, cheers. Thanks. Oh. You know, like, you know, thanks for bloody I've Just, you know, just lost 4-0 at Wembley, you know.
1: (laughs) I'm not happy about this either. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And and I don't think you can make him, you know, he's not responsible for that, even though it was a dire day. But I just remember he was the only, so everybody else just does the ignore it and walk past, but he was just like, yeah, all right. He won't be back, and then oh. you sort of like, um, <laughs> and then you sort of hope that we get him again. And then he goes to Middlesbrough, does nothing, and ends up in League One with Coventry nearer to the end of the season. He's just like, oh, damn it! Um, but yeah, he's yeah. he's done all right for himself since. So you know, a nice entry. What a team this is. Okay, let's move to the wingbacks then. So, oh, the next one is an absolute, you know, look up. One season wonder, and you will see this guy's face. And you won't be able to pronounce the name, but here he is, he's the player of the year for that season 27 uh, 2007 2008. It's Miguel
1: Comange, is it Comange or is it?
0: Mm, no I... idea.
1: I always thought it was Kuminges, but always I might have been a little Englander.
0: I, I, I say Caminguez because I'm just not comfortable <laughs> saying Comange, but
1: it was either the the guy who did the radio or the guy who did the tannoy, but he pronounced come with yeah. like a lot of gusto, like you've just done then. So maybe I'm guessing that that must be the case.
0: <laughs> so, so Migwell, um... we'll go with, we'll go with Migwell, And yeah. of the era, he was one of these players that you kind of like, Oh, we've just signed this guy one year contracts, probably play seven times and then leave in October or something like that. As, as is the, is the norm yeah. for those sort of players. But he nailed it.
1: Yeah, like because he came around that time as like Arietta and the rest of that lot, didn't he? But I don't think he was part of that group, was no. he? Um, and yeah, he, I just the things I remember about him are his dreadlocks, obviously, <laughs> and the fact that he'd play right back, and John Paul McGovern had played right midfield, but he'd spend most of more of his time. Closer to the opposition goal than McGovern would. He was like, like you think of like the prototypical like Danny Alves and that. He was, he was that for for us. Scale scaled down version of Danny Alves for us for one year, and then one Player of the Year, and then buggered off to Cardiff.
0: <laughs> yeah, where, where it didn't really work out for him, and then injuries sort of. His career ended shortly afterwards. Um, things about Miguel that always stand out to me is completely irrelevant. Is His Wikipedia picture it's awful. It, is it? It's, it's awful. It's a lovely, crisp <laughs> photo, but he's not looking in the direction, so he's, he's, it's like his back's turned away from the camera. And it's, it's just... It's like, it, if I was Miguel and I saw that, I'd, I'd upload a nice little picture of myself, you know, you know but that's what, that's what he has. He's had it for years and it's always made me laugh that, like, you know, photos are used to identify people, right? Well, you know, that doesn't do yeah. so. i always a big fan of players that play for Guadeloupe as well. So, you know, we've got Guadeloupe International.
1: Yeah, not many, not many teams can say that, can they? Not at all. But
0: we did, and in he goes. And then that moves on to the left-hand side. The You know, again, a veteran. 2017-2018 <laughs> was his season. Um, scorer of great goals, including one for Swindon, which I don't really acknowledge because we lost in that game. Of course, it's Matty Taylor.
1: Yeah, it was... Signing Matty Taylor was like adopting an old dog, wasn't it? <laughs> because you know you're not, good. you know his best days are behind him, and you know you won't be around together for long. But you had, we had some really, like really great moments and created some really great memories. But then it's not long before his legs go and he's like shitting in the kitchen, <laughs> and it's just kind of to put him down, really. But for that for that first season he played for us, he was just a lot better than I was expecting. <laughs> like I thought he'd have turned up, not really done too much, be too old. But he kind of found a niche in the team, didn't he? Being a, a left wing-back that didn't really move, but still functioned in the team. Yeah. And the team kind of worked around him. And then that worked until Wellins came in. And then uh, it would it would have been nice, I think, if Taylor could have stayed on as a coach, but At the same time, I don't really blame Wellins for wanting to sweep through completely with a new broom.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that his assistant manager wasn't his first pick, you know, Noel Hunt was very much... Um, appointed to be a part of the staff on a on a let's see how they work together basis, then there's logic there that that Matty Taylor might be a member of that, and I, I don't know the fact that he's now in in the youth setup at Tottenham, he probably wouldn't have uh, yeah. wanted to stick around anyway. But <laughs> he's yeah, doing,
1: he's landed on his feet. He's,
0: yeah, absolutely has, and he deserves so because he had a bloody good career, and he and he put in a good shift with Swindon because he wasn't supposed to play as much as he did in season two. So. I I, I think I completely yeah. agree that his season one was his standout year and he did, but you know, he he really I don't think he was supposed to play. At one stage I think they had to give him a rest <laughs> which is yeah. you know which yeah. you know shitting in the uh, kitchen aside is pretty much the <laughs> description that you made of him. In. But yeah, a good player to have. So so far we've got we've got David Lucas, Scott Cuthbert, Darren Ward, Jack Stevens, Migwell Comange and Matty Taylor. This team's doing well. This team is doing well. We'll move to the midfield now. So, I mean, 29, 2010. This is somebody who, when he signed, I couldn't believe we had signed this player because of his pedigree and and just simply because he was a very, very good footballer. But again, another victim of that second season syndrome, it's Jonathan Douglas.
1: Yeah, like exactly what you've just said, really, wasn't it? He was genuine properly accomplished championship central midfielder or championship or top of league one central midfielder that we'd somehow managed to sign and kind of i don't think anyone was expecting it really at the time and for that first year he was the proper he bossed the midfield didn't he yeah like kind of similar it's kind of same way to david lucas how he brought all that steel and now sin from the back douglas did exactly the same from the midfield and like they kind of both created the center the center pins for that that spine of that team that year and then like, like say sadly it kind of all drifted away in 10 11 maybe maybe looking back at it maybe it wasn't as bad as people remember from 10 and 11 but i think kind of his demeanour probably didn't help him, and the way he, he's one of those who kind of had a languid style on the pitch, didn't he? Yeah. So once, once results start going against you, they're kind of those kind of players tend to be the lightning rod for the, for the abuse because they're not running around like a, like a loony.
0: And again, the fact that he then went to Brentford and did very well, and they were very successful during that time, yeah, as well, just shows you that it's sometimes. Maybe we were the problem, <laughs> but it, obviously the swing the dynamic at Swindon wasn't wasn't happening at that that point, was it? No.
1: Well, De Canio, um, De Canio wanted to keep him, didn't he? Yeah. When De Canio came in, or was that just paper talk? I, I could you imagine how Douglas would have coped under De <laughs> well,
0: Yeah, I would. I would have, you know, rolled the dice though, if I was honest with you. But I think yeah. what I remember is is. John Douglas was absolute dead set to leave, and then Decanio was appointed, and then I think the advert sort of attributed quotes that suggested that that he was very impressed with the with the appointment, and then he left the next day. So it was something like that, but it was like, <laughs> right. oh, Douglas might stay. He's said to be very impressed with the appointment of Decanio, and then Brentford <laughs> deal came through shortly afterwards. I always feel sorry for Douglas because there was a video of him playing for Ipswich nearer to the end of his career, where he's, I think they did one, someone did one for Yakubu, where they're just like, here's, here's John Dr. Jonathan Douglas playing football, professional football, and he's just sort of like, going through the motions, and he probably saw that video himself <laughs> and went, I'm done, because it was very yeah. mean and out of context, but he just looked like, he looked like <laughs> a competition winner, you know, where he was just sort of like, yeah. Aimlessly running around or just looking like he wasn't sure where to go. Very sad, but absolutely brilliant footballer for Swindon in that season. The next one, interesting one. The first of the, I think, ones that you can debate either way. He's coming in for 2014 15. It's Ben Gladwin.
1: He's maybe not even a one season wonder. He's kind of a two month wonder because mm. he, he came from, was it Marlow or like yeah. something like some non league team like that? Flo, like, got adjusted, spent his first year getting adjusted, spent most of that 14, 15 season kind of like a squad player almost, wasn't he? Came, mm-hmm. came in and out of the team. Did he? I mean, he, he might have even played left back for a spell. But then Summit kind of switched on him in March and he became an absolute demon. Like, he got that hat trick against Rochdale, didn't he? Yeah. And then two goals against uh, Walsall, I think it was. And then again in the in the playoffs he was kind of our main man and just kind of out of nowhere he looked like the slickest most skillful attacking midfielder in the league and then went to went to QPR didn't work out for him and whenever he, he had a few spells back afterwards but never really hit those heights again no. but those, for those 2 months he was he was unstoppable.
0: Yeah, I think he scored 11 goals in that season and then eight of them, you know, were from mid-April onwards, you know, and yeah. and he missed a penalty or two in in that time as well. He definitely missed one at Sheffield <laughs> United, didn't he? So, um an incredible like month which earned Swindon quite a bit of money because obviously he obviously went to QPR shortly afterwards and it's always kind of sad to see um what happens to Ben Gladwin afterwards because the yeah. injuries just absolutely ruined him and then he yeah. there was too much pressure on him when he came back to Swindon to sort of you know, perform in the yeah. same way and the squad was different and yeah he, he he wasn't I don't think he was capable of being the number one man but stick him in a side mm-hmm. when you've got like Mas Luongo Yasser Kassim um, etc, you, you're going to do okay and he thrived on that and yeah, I would say that out of all of your 11 he goes in really for, for Easter <laughs> to, yeah. to the 5-5 because And again, <laughs> things I repeat all the time his first goal in that 5-5 is one of the best goals I've seen a Swindon player score yeah. because that, that ball would be still moving now if if there was nothing behind it it was... <laughs> absolutely struck um, but yeah he, he's he's a free agent again so it won't be long at the time of recording Swindon fans are panicking wildly about uh, transfer activity in, in times of COVID I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Gladwin's name is mentioned in the not too distant future
1: yeah Yeah, it's the way it works isn't it <laughs> it's the way it always
0: will be, next one we hardly knew ye so he's just left um after three seasons with swindon it's keshi anderson
1: yeah so um most of the players in this list had their good season followed by bad seasons anderson was the other way around for me he was he, he signed with a lot of hype and a lot of expectation and then kind of flattered to deceive for two years and then from the outside looking in he Wellens gave him a massive kick up the ass last summer and he responded brilliantly and was one of our best players last year just out of nowhere maybe just fulfilling that potential he always had like the like he he scored more goals last year in half the games than he did in his first two seasons which kind of illustrates that point i think mm, yeah and then yeah he he just buggered off to Blackpool <laughs>
0: And, yeah, well, he certainly did. Um, I think, as being <laughs> wildly, uh, uh, widely discussed, I, I think the damage was done in the in the summer of 2019 when when there was that fallout with Richie Wellens, and it's testament to both of them that they managed to get a good season um, out of him, and you know, yeah. and that that's that just adds to why he should be in this in this lineup. Um, we'll see if. He'll be a huge loss in the future, so we will never, we won't know until about mm. a year's time whether whether we'll feel that hit. But I think it was probably the right time for Keshi to, yeah. to move on. But it's after the amount of time we invested in him, it was just good that we did get that season, although it was curtailed by a a pandemic and injury.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I can't disagree with any of that. At least he gave us something.
0: He gave us something, and the next person gave us something too in the same season. We're moving to the centre forwards now. Oh boy! I guess you can guess who that is. Then, of course, of course, it's it's Owen Doyle.
1: Yeah, this one was sad. Sad to talk because when I when I sent you this list to start with, I think it was like the day or two after his transfer had formally been announced, and uh, there was still a bit of me clinging on to that hope that he might return. But like. (laughs) <laughs> there's not a lot to say really is there that people won't really know yeah. he turned up and gave us the kind of one season that we genuinely might never ever see again and we will always be grateful for that I think his move kind of his move works out for all parties really doesn't it because yeah. there's a lot of risk in signing a 32 year old to a long-term high value contract yeah. and there's he's he's moving somewhere secure close to home
0: Owen Doyle's season He'll, for me was what i expect from most center forwards you know if you get those sort of opportunities <laughs> you should score them and and he did and, and you yeah. know you know it was one of those sort of things that now we've seen this when when his replacement misses from f- you know, on, you know, on a turn and he just puts it wide, we'll be looking at it going, wow, you know, Doyle would have scored that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel, I feel for whoever replaces both Owen Doyle and Jerry Yates. I really do because, you know, that, that sort of swivel goal that, that Owen used to score, you know, where it would just, just nestle in the bottom corner. Those, those are the sort of goals that I expect. And those, just the tap-ins Yet somehow we've got a long history and proud history of having centre-forwards that can't finish those. And now we've seen it and, and we've lost it straight away. And I do wonder... And gun to my head, I do perhaps suspect that even if he did stay for another year, he might have still made this list. If we look back in five to ten years, I feel that it would have been very hard. I feel it would have been very hard to. I think he would have been good in League One. I would have loved him to stay, but I think we got the best out of him.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. He, you look at his when he came back from Bradford, his record wasn't quite as good, was it? No, but no. then his record before then was very, very, very good. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're probably right. Yeah, it's a
0: sheer fact as well that, you know, when I spoke to him, he, he quite he quite clearly put, you know, I don't support the club that I play for. You know, I don't no. support them. I, I, and, he, he, you know, it's, it's along those lines, it's like, I don't owe anybody anything. You know, I do what I do for my career. And so I think that was... That, he laid the foundations then of most of us who heard him say those sort of things, of going, well, he's not going to be here forever, so it's not going to hurt yeah. that much.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, Doyle was always very open, wasn't he, about how he viewed football in his career, even if you'd read interviews with yeah. him from, from previously.
0: Yeah, yeah, refreshing honesty, and we don't mind it. OK, we've got so far, and we're now to our final player. And we're going back... To the mid two thousands for this player, and specifically the two thousand and five and six campaign, he's absolutely adored for a goal he scored in two thousand and four. I very much agreed with this with this uh, with
1: this uh, player being in this sort of list. It's Rory Fallon. He had a weird career with us, didn't he? Yes. I like, like back up to Mooney and Parkin, uh, and tipping in with some good goals. And then the season after just fell away completely. Couldn't even get in beyond the, the talents of Jamie Slabber. <laughs> and then the next season, we signed Curiton and Thorpe, who were supposed to lead the line. And then Fallon emerges out of the shadows to kind of be our saviour for half a year before leaving for Swansea. And then after that, we were kind of never We never really recovered after that. But he, he bagged, what was it, like about 10, 11, 12 goals in the first half of the year? Yeah, really led the line well for us, and then, yeah, left <laughs> like so many. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like so, like they all do. Like they all do. No, <laughs> Rory Fallon came in and he did a very good job because he was an impact sub, uh, you know, and, and a very capable backup for Sam Parkin and Tommy Mooney, of course. So he came in, you know, not halfway through the season, just before halfway through the season, and did a very, very good job, and you know, almost featured. Double, oh, I think, bound about double in, off the bench than he actually started. Um, was almost the hero of the with Dean, um, scored that goal against Bristol City. And the, what he was expected to do in 2004, 2005 was replace Tommy Mooney. And he had a really poor. Season and he was loaned out to yeah. Yeovil and he, he looked done. He, he, you know, it looked originally looked like one of those signings that Andy King was capable of doing, where he just pulls this out the bag. And oh, he was not good in that second season. And then he came back for the relegation season and did exactly what he was supposed to do the year before with 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 a very good centre forward in Sam Parkin but he was let down by Jamie Curton and, and Tony Thorpe I think in in season 3 and by the time you know he'd left we were pretty much done weren't we i mean we were free for yeah. but it wasn't down to him he, he, he was very very good
1: yeah i know it was kind of i remember cuz i think he was it was the last year of his contract wasn't he? and i remember there being a lot of talk in the advert or is he gonna we want him to sign a new contract or here comes Swansea in at the last minute and then eventually he'd rather have played for upwardly mobile Swansea than (laughs) downwardly mobile Swansea town which I can't really blame him for
0: you know where's the ambition there you know grab save us no we I think we were we were very much in the bottom four when when he left he left on a good note I think it was the Bournemouth game where Lee Peacock um, Mm. um, made his debut but Yeah, and he went on to have a a pretty decent career. Rory obviously went to a World Cup, not too bad, right? And he he did. He left. I remember he left Swansea pretty quickly and found himself um, at Plymouth, where he remains very much a popular name, Um, scorer of the occasional amazing goal. You know, all the way through his career, right into the end. Um, But with Swindon, again, very frustrating indeed because. You could see why he was brought in and he had moments of absolute genius, but that middle season was unforgivable. I know. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, I've almost had Rory on this podcast several times and I still hope to. And, you know, I I will talk to him one day about what happened in that middle season. We'll see what what it was down to, if it's anything at all. But there we go. Okay, so who's managing this
1: team? Managing? So I had a bit of a think for a manager. And I think the... The one that stands out would be Mark Cooper. Mm-hmm. So he he got thrust into it, didn't he? Kind of as at the last minute in thirteen fourteen when McDonald left, did okay. I think, what do we finish eighth? Yeah, probably uh, more yeah. than okay, really. Because yeah. when your your manager leaves two weeks before the season, it can go badly wrong, can't it? But mm-hmm. then fourteen fifteen was obviously leaps and bounds ahead of that. Um, looking back, I kind of think we maybe sh- when you see the. When you see the players we had, and admittedly a lot of them were very young at the time, but you see how the likes of Stevens, Luongo, Swift, Fodringham have gone on to do since that season. Should we have done better mm-hmm. in 14, 15 than we did? I mean, but still, playoff final. I think we finished higher that year than we did in 09, 10, didn't we? So our highest league position for whatever, like 20 like odd years. But then just fell apart, didn't he, in um the year after. Same as same as a lot a lot a lot around the club really. I'm not really sure whether it was just too much being ripped out of the team from that summer or whatever it was, but never really never really hit those heights again.
0: Yeah, I think I think given your time of support in Swindon I think he's probably the right candidate for this um, sort of team. I would say, I mean, I, I get what you say about the fact that he came in so late, but he was already at the club. So I think we underachieved mm. the season before um, 2014-15. And I do think as well that, it, you know, when we, when we lost back-to-back 3 nils with Bristol City and MK Dons, um, yeah. we just didn't have... We just didn't have the stomach for the fight like they did, and yeah. we could go toe to toe with those clubs. And you know, we we just we just faded away, and we had the squad. And I think that could be attributed to what was going wrong within the coaching staff. Because you know, I don't know the reasons behind it, but you we heard at the time that there may have been some sort of you know um, disagreement between. Mark Cooper and Luke Williams and things like that and you kind of think well if there's no harmony with your coaching staff then things are going to go very wrong um, behind the scenes and yeah. we did, we did alright, we got to Wembley but there are also question marks about the 11 that day and also the prep for that game you know, all sorts, so I think yes, that was a great season um, other people that could have been in that, maybe Danny Wilson
1: but you know, because he... See I, I did think of Danny Wilson but uh, his first season yeah, where he saved this us.
0: Yeah, he kept us up. And, I kind of...
1: Yeah. That, that tilted it to a two-season wonder for me.
0: Yeah, he brought in Greer, <laughs> Hal Robson-Kanu and Owen Tudor-Jones and those sort of signs yeah. did change our fortunes quite dramatically. So, yes, Mark mm. Cooper leads... Um, in what is, I still think this this eleven would do and, and Bench would do very well indeed in, in, in their pomp.
1: Um, so, yeah, how are you feeling about that I eleven?
0: I, I think it looks good. I,
1: I think if you get them on their right day, they'll win the league. If you get them on their wrong day, they'll probably get relegated.
0: And, that probably is why they're here. and that's why they're here. And on <laughs> yeah. that fantastic summary, we'll end it at that. Dave, thank you very much. That was great.
1: No, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. Good run by him and
0: and the Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford, and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
2: Boys. For it's a
1: grand old team <laughs> to play for, and it's
0: a grand old team to see, go, go. you know the history, it's enough to
2: make your heart go,
1: you. oh, 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 oh. we don't care what, what the Darius Newcastle say, <laughs> what the hell do we care, cause we
2: only know that there's gonna be a show, and it's wind and time,